humans. I hate people. I hate people. This is why they're the worst. Are you ready for it? What up? What up? Fam. Hey, fam. Hey, friends. I'm in my new office. I hope I'm not sounding echoey. But it doesn't matter because that's Rebecca and she is not telling her story today. I'm Rachel and I am. Well, that's true. Um, However, I do have a story and some news. But do you want to do some shout outs first? Oh my Rachel's God. face looks so scared. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Well, for, do you want to do your, let's do our shout outs first. And then, um, yeah, patrons first. So as you may or may not know, our Patreon tier three, you get among other benefits. One of them is a custom shout out. Tell us whatever you want us to say. We'll say it. Mm-hmm. Short of, you know, anything horrible. <laughs> Uh, the f- we have three shout outs today from the Patreon. Y'all are the best. Um, the first one is Christina to her sister, Lexi. It was really sweet. It is sweet. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to my sister, Lexi. Even though we are not twins, there's no one that knows me better than my sister. She's my best friend in the whole world and the first person I shared your podcast with. We talk about you every week. Oh. That is so nice. We are not that nice to each other. Lexi, you have a great sister, Christina. She's the best. Y'all are the best. God, maybe we should be that nice to each other. <laughs> Think? No. We're like never nice work. to each other. I know, but like, I guess I do say you're my BFF, but it's we, more joking. But whatever. We tell each other we love each other all oh, the time. That's true. That's true. Because you never know when it will be the last. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so we have dark. talked about that. When people horribly lose their loved ones, they're like, tell them how much you love them every day. I'm like, I'm like oh, no problem there. If, if either of us go, that will not be one of our regrets. <laughs> that's for sure. Because we tell each other that's all the for time. damn sure. <laughs> all right, who's the next shout-out? That's creepy. Okay. The next shout-out, Lacey. What up, OG? She's OG. She was the first one. I think that we don't, the people that we don't know who've reached out and was like, oh my God, I just found you. I love the podcast or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, Lacey wants to shout out uh, Place of Hope Small Breed Dog Rescue. Oh, Do cute. it. These folks, she said, these folks are amazing. They help all dogs, but primarily work with small dogs. Francine Armstrong is the president and small dogs across the Gulf Coast are safer having gone through that rescue. That love. is so amazing. Love it. Love a dog rescue Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and dogs in general okay the last one is a hometown hero what up anna she wants to shout out the mount brook dorians and for those of you that don't know the mount brook dorians that's we grew up in mount brook the dorians are the dance team if you're Mm -hmm. listening mount brook dorians good luck at nationals from your coach anna (laughs) be extra nice to her because she is truly the best yeah she's an angel she is an angel. She was a freshman when we were seniors. Oh, my God. A freshman when we were seniors is already a teacher. At, oh, my God. I was going <laughs> to say school. that. Oh, I was going to say that. That makes me think back to all these teachers and coaches that were, like, were in, in their, their 20s. 20s. Yeah. God. You think they're old. Bless. Not. No, they're not. Well, Dorian's good luck. Good, good job. Luck. Nationals. Jeez. Yeah, that's huge. So um, thank you all for being part of the patreon and then 
Lastly, I do want to shout out the newest member, Clay. Thank thank you so much. She's a friend of ours. So she's like our best friend. That's why Rach is laughing. That's why I laugh and said her last name. Yeah, because we don't care about your identity. Um, Thanks for thanks for joining. I knew you were going to say that. Thanks. (laughs) All right. So now that that business is out of the way, I have good news. What? Mark has been arrested (gasps) and restraining order filed. Are you Uh, kidding? So now I can tell you all the story. This is Rebecca. (laughs) Just kidding. I couldn't hear you clapping just then. Wait, my face is shocked. Yep. Something else happened? Yes. And so now that this is all taken care of, hopefully in the past, I can tell you all the story. And if you've been listening since episode, I think it's the first few, one, two, and three or something, I bring him up. And we beep out his name because yeah, we're we, scared. Yeah, we beep out his name. We're scared. And I was like, well, maybe one day I can tell you all. And now today, that day has come. So here's what's up. Real quick, sad story. Wait, are we sure you can tell it? Yeah. Okay. The hell do I care? The more people that know, the better. Oh. I tell my and y'all are my best friends, and I tell my best friends everything. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> sweet, isn't it? And sad. <laughs> but Wait, I'm sweet. dying. We uh, Rebecca was just in Asheville this weekend, and she did not tell me any of this. Was I know that- because I was exhausted from it, and I didn't know what was going to happen. But when I got back to Asheville, we got a notice in the mail. Anyway, so about a year ago, well, me and my husband bought a duplex, and we were renovating it into a single family home. Um, so we had contractors in and out all day. And about a year ago, it was, I think, August. I was still on maternity leave. So, yeah, about oh August. I cannot uh, believe it was that long ago. This is in Atlanta, by the way. Yeah, this is in Atlanta. I found a painter and someone who t- willing to do some crown molding on next door. I found him. His name was Mark. Uh, my husband met him. We liked him, whatever. Him and Barrett agreed to a price. Barrett gave him half of that for a deposit, and the other half was going to be given to him when the job is completed. Pretty standard stuff. In the middle of it, he demanded $1,000, and Barrett asked why. He said, to go to Home Depot, I need more supplies. And he's like, oh, then I go to Home Depot, and I run my card. I'm not just going to give you 1000 bucks to do. I mean, that's just standard stuff. Mark flipped out. Like, I could hear him on the phone. And my husband is not afraid of confrontation, especially when it's dealing with his money. No, no. And I was I was like, you're being very nice. because, And he was like, because I like him. Like, they got along great. He's an old hippie. He would sometimes be like, I'm, I have a Grateful Dead cover band to go to tonight, so I'm going to be hungover tomorrow, so I'll be late. Shit like that. There's a little slacker, but Barrett liked him. It seemed like a peaceful little hippie. Totally. Who's like 70. Like, if you were in high school, you would think this st- this was a stage, but he just stayed up in his safety. So he flipped out, started, I'm getting my shit. I will never come to this job site. And Bear's like, fine, my God, fine. Leave my house. You're good. Go. So he grabbed his tools and he took his ball and he went home. The yeah, next, yeah. The next day, I thought it was like, clean break, we're done. The next day, we were talking about how scary that was because he just like blew up and... I was in the kitchen with my newborn. I was in the downstairs kitchen with my newborn. And I looked up and Mark was in the window, like two feet from my face. And I freaked out. He's in our backyard. So I was like, oh my God, why? So I get Barrett. I'm freaking out. I'm crying at this point. So I'm scared. He like threatened a bunch of shit. So um, Barrett comes out 
tells him to get the fuck off our property. This whole big thing. I'm sobbing. And he's like, I've left some tools. I'm getting my fucking tools. The whole thing. Just shouting match. And I'm terrified. So long story short, the cop, we get the cops to come get his tools. We do not want him in our house. I don't know what he's capable of. We've known this guy for like two weeks. It's, I don't know. So I'm not comfortable with him coming into the house to get tools that we don't know if he left. It could just be an excuse to come in the house and kill us. I don't know. So the cops come and they get some tools. They pick it up and Mark's on the street. He says, is this yours? Yes. Is this yours? No. Is this yours? Yes. Blah, blah. Apparently he left a nail gun. He didn't, we didn't know that. This nail gun. This goddamn nail gun. (laughs) Oh my God. So he is adamant. He left a nail gun. And we're like, no, you didn't. The cops come in, look for it. They're like, there's no nail gun here. We don't know where it is. And since then, he has been texting, driving by, leaving notes in our mailbox. He's going to kill us. He's going to rape me. He's going to rape Barrett's mom. He's going to kill our kid. He's going to everything. He's a lunatic. We have him on video. I mean, it's insane, y'all. And he's like, he's like, y'all are going to threaten your lives, your kid's life for a $250 nail gun. So when the, every time he does this, the cops say, call us so we can build a file. So we called him. I'm like, can I, what, would it be ill-advised to just freaking Venmo him for 250 bucks? And they said, do not do that. We don't negotiate with terrorists. And I'm like, well, apparently you don't arrest terrorists. Terrorists either, either, so right. <laughs> Good help point. Me, help me help you. <laughs> so they couldn't arrest him because he technically hasn't done anything yet. He's just, uh, except for making me feel unsafe in my own home, but. He hasn't physically done anything yet, so they can arrest him. And the Decatur police kept coming, but it needs to be a certain county. And it was just, nothing it's was working. It's been a mess. Yeah. It's been a mess. And he's, we filed our, they told us to file our straining order, so we did. Um, and we had a court date, which was around February, which he was a no-show for. And it was virtual because of still COVID precautions. But there were a bunch of people in there, and it was so sad. It was like we were in line at like 50 there's 50 people in front of us everyone's story was so much probably worse than ours and they didn't take it too seriously but we didn't see marks we're like if you're no show at court you're screwed so good so it took us about an two hours on that damn virtual zoom for the judge to tell us that he has not been served yet with the strain order so he didn't know about the court date so it's just a big waste of time but later did say apologize and say that it was because we filed it so close to Valentine's Day, which is the busiest day for domestic violence. Oh, so that's yeah, why. That is, is just, really. I was such a, I was like, God bless. That is horrible. So anyway, the text messages, everything slowed down a little bit until right before Europe. And he said a few things. And let me, while you're looking for those, let me interject here. This has been such a saga for um, however long you just said. And it's been very inconsistent. So, like, I've called Rebecca several times back. Has Mark done anything lately? No. Barrett, ask Barrett. Has Mark done anything? No. And so it'll be, like, months of silence. And then all of a sudden, a week of every day, he, like, drove by Super Bowl. And, like, oh, right. it just disaster. Oh, yeah. it's, it's It's been up and down. Like, we never know. So it's just, like, the worst. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a story when... Super Bowl Sunday, we had a bunch of people over and he said that he was going to come over to kill us right now. And we did see him drive by. And so the cops had to come. We had to tell all of our friends what was going on. It was just shit like that that is just He's a unsettling. Lunatic. And it just makes me feel, oh, God, it's so creepy. And then we were at a pizza place. So before Europe, it's been silent for months. And we even joked that maybe he found this damn nail gun and was like, oops, 
tail between the legs. I was kind of thinking that he's, I've like stalked him on Facebook and he's posted like other jobs he's had and I've zoomed it on every inch. Like, is there a fucking nail gun in this picture? Swear to God. So, but we went to a pizza place downtown and me and my son were playing outside and I saw his truck. It's a bright red truck with two stickers on the top right and left. So I know exactly which one it is. And I ran so I was like, oh, Barrett, I just saw Mark. I hope you didn't see me. And that night they started gearing up again. Oh, my God. So I have a few examples with Barrett was leaving the house. I'm like, I can't text you everything he's texting me. This it will go on for months. Things like that. This, these are just examples. Have my compressor and hose and nail gun. I guess he left a few things. When I get there and then I'll fuck you up. You just don't get it. I know where you live. Just give me back my tools, you fucking piece of shit, motherfucker. And that, that'll be over. But if you want to extend it, I'm going to fuck you. I'll probably fuck your wife's ass, too. I know that slut's ready for a good ass fuck. Guys, no, I am not. <laughs> oh, my God. How dare he put words into your mouth? And also, he added things to the list. No. I know. I'm that, like, okay. That's proof that you should not buy him a nail gun because oh. then he's just going to hold you hostage about all this other oh, compressor. What the fuck are you talking about now? I know. He randomly um, then my request like a thousand bucks from Barrett. <laughs> oh. It's like, kid, come on. Leave my tools outside by the dumpster and, and it will end. If not, I'm coming for you, you little pussy. And then it goes on for five pages. I'm going to, I'll find your mom. I'll kill her too. And then this is what we showed the cops who dropped everything they were doing and just walked off mid-sentence. And we we're like, wait, where are y'all going? He's like, that's all we needed to see. We're going to arrest him. Oh my God. He said, what? So it goes on to say, I, I see your car in the driveway. I'm going to fuck up your car. You love your precious truck. I'm going to fuck that up, blah, blah, blah. Um, again, threatens to kill both of us. And then he says, I see Jesse on your in your front yard. If you're not there, I'm going to get her. So listen to this. My name oh my is God. certainly not Jesse. But we get mail from a previous owner, like who lived here years ago before our the owners we bought it from. A girl, okay. It was a girl who lived here, Jesse. So we assume he looked through our mail to get my name, thinking <gasps> it was Jesse. But he sees me in my front yard and I'm going to get her. So that's all the cops needed. I was like, okay, we can at least get him on like a peeping Tom. I'm like, I'm so paranoid about this guy. I know that truck. I have no idea where he is. I'm like, there's, I would never go in my front yard if I saw a truck in sight distance at all. Yeah. So I have noticed we go on daily walks, me and my husband and son and dog. And a big ass German (laughs) shepherd, by the way. Yeah. And I have seen a man in the woods across the way but i don't know if he's like taking his dog out it's an old man it's not him he's bald and i'm like and i just like keep looking back and bears like stop doing that i'm like this is how i on edge i am I'm like i don't know if he has like spies or someone he oh and, and that he does and that those text messages he says he's hired someone to kill bear so <gasps> the cops are like okay we're going so we hear nothing all of europe we go to europe the next day we hear nothing all of europe and we're like okay i guess it's done and then I see this like official letter when we get back and it says, um, essentially, Mark's been arrested. And the only way that he was able to get out is if he signed the restraining order. So we have it. Signature. You must stay directly, indirectly away from Barrett Blackstock, his family, blah, blah, blah. So it's them. And Barrett's going to call him today and be like, how long does this last? Like, is there anything else we need to do? But he but did get a out. job. Yeah, he's out. But he had to sign the restraining order. So, yeah, technically, I guess he could still come kill us, but. Oh, my God. I'm glad he has your wrong name, but he's he could easily go back through emails and whatever and 
next door and find your real name. But that's I'm very happy that the restraining order is done. It only took, oh God. Oh, my gosh. How many so broken. Isn't it weird that if you feel threatened, if he's on your property, you can shoot him, but you can't file a restraining order. He hasn't well, done anything No, they're yet. just not going to do anything until he does something that's harmful. I mean, they're not, unless he kills you, he's not in trouble. There's someone like that in Nashville who, like, well, it's infuriating. Why do you get to threaten Her, yeah. my life and rape me, but I can't feel safe in my own home? That's so unfair. Right. Well, bear That's it. bullshit. You threatened to shoot up a school. Your rights should be taken away. You yeah. do not get the right to bear arms. We're going to strap an ankle monitor on you and make sure you don't go three miles within a school. Shit yeah. like that. Just infuriating me. I agree. I'm like, um, well, this is so unfair. Everyone should feel safe. You get the right to threaten harm. But I don't get the right to feel safe in my own home. It's bullshit. No, it's total bullshit. I'm so glad that that is done. I need, but like, I don't block his number. I need to know if he oh, texts not. you. I don't, because everyone said like, we'll block him. I'm like, no, I want to know if he's threatening to, if he's saying he's on his way over. No, we need to know I, I never took that advice. Yeah, I need to know if he's standing outside my door and says it. What but he would like put notes in our mailbox on his saying like I, we I will destroy you, <laughs> and it's on his letterhead. Like, who is this from? Oh, who yeah. is this from? <laughs> who is this? No, like we, he's an idiot, and we give it to the cops. And he, uh, obviously, if he actually put a hit out on Barrett, he would not text him and say that. But maybe he's a he's a real moron. So I don't know. So that's my exciting news. That is exciting, but now I have so much anxiety. I cannot believe that got started up again and you didn't tell me. And you were here all weekend. I know I had to save it for the pod. Oh, my god! Because it might help other people. I don't know how, but maybe someone can commiserate and share their, their story with me because it's scary. It's I, I, like, packed up my son and went to Birmingham. I went to stay with my dad for a few days. I was yeah, yeah. terrified. I went with you. I remember. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And also, sorry, real quick, uh, last thing on this. Well, two things. I was actually going through my phone the other day, deleting storage, make make room, you know. And my top, the biggest video I have is of Mark driving by screaming. And I'm like, I can't delete that just in case. Me this too. This is the world we're living in. and it's- No, we have it on um, our Google Drive, so you can delete it. Mm, okay. Yeah. And then second, he doesn't know who he's messing with. Barrett. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He's been in y'all's house. He knows Barrett loves the Second Amendment. <laughs> he does, but not, he doesn't, I, I'm always like, because we've asked the police what they, but like, what if he comes on our property and they give the sound advice that you can protect your family and property. And I always joke that my husband's like, fuck yeah. But he's like, I ne- would never want to shoot anyone. He has a, he would never, his heart I know. is so big. And I love him so much. But yeah, I feel so much safer with my husband and his dog <laughs> with me. Well, that's what else. I know he doesn't want to. Who does? But he's willing to, again, who wouldn't be with that little baby in that house. But also, he's seen Onyx, who is their huge German shepherd, and his ferocious bark. Like I'm like, if he's not scared of that, I'm scared. I know. I know. Well, that the dog thing. I'm like, sure, dogs are very protective, but you, they, he could just as easily, easily shoot him and then me. Like, you could put a dog down. I know. That's what I'm saying. That that's what makes me think he has 
means to protect himself. And I don't like that. I know. And that's why I only go on a run. I run a lot with Onyx, but I'm like, remember that story of that girl who went running with her German Shepherd and someone kidnapped her and they just kicked the German Shepherd down a hole? What? <sighs> yeah. And eventually the German Shepherd got out and ran back home without the owner, just the leash dragging behind them. All right. And Onyx went to the Canine Academy. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone to understand that he would hopefully not stand for that. I don't know. I'm stressed. I don't even want to tell my story anymore. Never mind. Just forget <laughs> it. This was the episode. Bye. Bye. Thank y'all for listening. Just kidding. God, that was like 30 minutes of um, things at the top. This better be a good story. Yeah, that was a 30-minute intro, but that was very important. We weren't just gabbing people. So No, it was a life update on my safety. So I oh, hope y'all didn't God. fast forward. Well, if you did... Rewind. You're about to start all over. And (laughs) now, Rachel will start her story. Um, I just realized something, though. That it's annoying every time you say, "Uh, Rachel will have my story. I think that people like that because we're identical twins with identical (laughs) voices. Every damn episode. I know, but we label them now. If they need know, to know who's saying it, just look at the title. I don't think people care either way. Say it, don't say it. No one, this doesn't bother anyone but each other. We're our own worst critic. I guess. And if you're part of that critic, then fuck you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Love you so much. Okay, here I go. Wee. Okay. Sources. This is Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> you're so annoying. Just kidding. I really am. JK. Sources, Oxygen.com, a Georgia court appeal from caselaw.com, Real Murders of Atlanta, Season 1, Episode 4. If y'all have never watched that, I didn't even know it existed. It's so good. Um, The podcast, It's the Mystery for Me and the AJC, which is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Wait, I live in Atlanta and I've never watched that series. The Real Murders of Atlanta? I've watched the... That child one, that documentary. The, I think it's called Atlanta. Uh, oh, Atlanta Child Murders. Yeah, something like that. No. Awful sad. I think there. Sad note. I think there's also real murders of Orange County too. They're just it's like it's like real housewives. Oh, weird. Yeah, I think that's where they're going for. <laughs> there, Rub. <laughs> okay. On October 16th, 1996, 17-year-old Raynard Cook came home from school to find his mom, Josephine Holmes Cook, lying in a pool of blood. Mm. We're just jumping right in. Let's jump right in. Obviously shocked and scared, he ran to his neighbor's house, and the neighbor called the cops. Josephine, her husband of 20 years, Reuben, and Raynard lived in the upscale neighborhood of Cascade Heights, which is southwest Atlanta. Mm. When the cops got there, they found Josephine lying on the kitchen floor. They showed crime scene photos on the real murders of Atlanta. Ooh. The blood is insane. You, like, cannot see the floor. It's crazy. She was obviously pronounced dead at the scene, but the detectives couldn't even determine where the injury was or what happened because of all the blood, and they couldn't touch the body until the medical examiner got there. So they're just like, we don't know what happened. Oh, my God. I know. One of the detectives noticed her mail and realized Josephine was a superior court judge for Fulton County. In fact, when they found her, she was wearing a 
only a real like Judge Cook t-shirt and underwear. What year is this? I'm sorry. 1996. So she was elected into her four-year term as judge in 1992 Mm -hmm. and had recently lost her bid for re-election. So November 1996, which was the following month, was going to be her last day. And apparently she was really upset about it. For that reason, and when they realized who it was and the situation, they thought it could have been suicide. But when the medical examiner got there, he determined that she had been shot in the in her back right shoulder. So there was no way it was suicide. Yeah. They start searching the house and found there was blood going up the stairs into her bedroom on the keypad of her phone in her bedroom, specifically on the numbers nine and one. Oh, my God. So like a Jessica addition all over again. Wait. This is not this was not a one shot. All that blood for one shot? Yeah. They hit an artery. Whoa. Hits she cause her she well, I'll get there. So there's blood on the numbers nine and one, exactly like Jessica Dishon. If you you haven't heard that episode, it was a few episodes back. Same thing. She had herself in. It was nine and one was dialed in, which is so eerie. And I know. So sad. I'm so close. Um, but her the phone was pulled from the wall. Oh, so God. they determined that she was shot in her bedroom, tried to call for help. The killer pulled the phone cord out of the wall. So she dragged herself downstairs to go to the kitchen phone, but bled to death before she got there. Mm. Ooh, this is going to be a whodunit. Whodunit. They searched the home and found an empty brass casing from a Glock 9mm gun, but no gun. Josephine's purse with her credit cards and money was sitting right there untouched, as was a Rolex. So they knew it wasn't a robbery gone wrong. Yeah. They also realized that Reynard's bedroom had been forced open and his room was ransacked. The cops oh. found a shoebox full of ind- individually wrapped bags of weed and a lot of cash. That's okay. How old is he? 17. That's okay. Yeah, they kind of determine it's fine. <laughs> yeah, there's they, a murder at hand. Let's not to hell with the petty crime. Right. They asked him about his day, and he told him he left for school at the prestigious private school of Woodward Academy. What hey up? Yo. A oh. bunch of people we know went there. Yeah. So he left at 7 a.m. and then had football practice from 3.30 to 6. He came home, found his mom, tried to help her, but couldn't. So he ran to the neighbor's house again after seeing the crime scene photos. Like, you would know immediately. You, there's no way to help. Yeah. He admitted to selling weed. Obviously, they had to be like, oh, also, we have to ask you about the weed. Do they? I thought that you couldn't do that if there's like no warrant, if you're there for another reason or something. Is that always a rumor? They they didn't arrest him for weed. They just asked him about it. You can ask. Surely, you can ask whatever you want. I know, but I know that is a thing for like. I know. Okay. He admitted to selling weed to his friends for extra money, but... They determined, I think, that he was a very low-level drug dealer. It wasn't that much. Mm-hmm. So they moved on So because nothing that I read came of it. Good for them in 1996. They had bigger fish to fry. Yeah. They spoke to other kids at school, and they confirmed Reynard was at school. He was at football practice. So then they looked to the husband, Ruben. But he was also quickly ruled out because he was a truck driver and was gone pretty much all the time doing long hauls, and this time was no different. They verified he was not in Atlanta at the time of the murder. okay. Next, they look at any past and present cases she's handled. Obviously, being a judge, someone could be pissed. Mm -hmm. So they look. 
and they found out she was getting ready to handle a case against Elijah. I'm going to screw up this last name. Let's hear it. Saladin? Spell it. S-A-L-A-H-U-D-D-I-N. Smith. (laughs) Smith. Oh, Smith. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. I should have re-listened to Real Murders of Atlanta to hear how they said it, but (laughs) I didn't. So we're just going to go with Elijah. Let me tell you about Elijah. He and his brother Freeman were very well-known criminals in Atlanta. In December 1995, Elijah left his car at someone's house to get some repairs done. On December 10th, he went over to check on the status, and I'm guessing it wasn't done or something was wrong with it, because three days later, on December 13th, Elijah and Freeman go back over to the house to confront the person, kick in the back door. There are five men there, so they just start firing. They shoot all five men, four of which are killed instantly. The fifth one jumps out a window and runs to a neighbor's house. Oh, they're mirroring this current crime. But wait, this guy is doing you a favor by fixing your car at his own house, and it's not done in a timely manner, so you kill him? There was, I read two things, some argument over the actual repairs and then another argument over ownership of the car. I get the sense the car was stolen. Mm-hmm. I, yes, probably. So there was a fight. And another what article did, for real, another article confirmed that most of the men, if not all of them, were mechanics. So I, I, there's something uh, about a car. Okay. So four of them are something worth killing four people over. Got it. No, of course not. Well, I know, I know, but to them, clearly, yes. Yes. So Elijah and Freeman fled to California, and while they were there, they were pulled over because they were driving a car that was spewing smoke everywhere. The cops (laughs) like something's wrong with your car. (laughs) Upon further review, the cop who pulled him over realizes that the car is stolen. That's where I got those context clues. <laughs> that the first car that they shot people over oh. was stolen. Mm-hmm. So they arrest the brothers, realize they're wanted in Georgia. So they're extradited back to Atlanta in April 1996. <laughs> Sorry. They like stole the world's shittiest car and like, damn it, smoking. <laughs> we're getting pulled up. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? We can't go to a repair shop. Drawing attention. <laughs> So, mind you, they're they're sent back to Atlanta, April 1996. That's six months before Josephine's murder. And get this, Josephine isn't even handling that case against Elijah. She's handling an armed robbery case. So this guy's just a mess. So needless to say, the dude's dangerous. And when they realize all of this, the detectives are like, okay, he's real capable of doing this. Dude's dangerous and he likes guns. Guns are his MO. Yeah. So they question Elijah. Obviously, he denies it. So they take his DNA. In the meantime, they go back to question the immediate family again. And they ask Reynard to come back to the police station to tell a story again. So he does and brings along his dad and uncle. The dad and uncle stay outside and Reynard goes back through a story, says he walks in after football practice, sees her, tries to help, even notes the like cradles her, but realizes She's dead and runs to the neighbor ho- neighbor's house. So the police then call the neighbor to get her story again because the fact that Reynard even touched Josephine was news to them. Uh-oh. If that were the case, I, again, seeing this crime scene photo, he would have been covered in blood. So the neighbor confirms 
Yes, Reynard did run over there frantically, but hell no, was there not a drop of blood on him. In fact, her entire house is white. Floors, walls, furniture, everything. And she said she sat him down on their white couch to calm him down. So she would have never done that if she even saw a speck of blood on him, let alone cradled her like a baby, like you said. They were like, no. She was like, no way. The cops asked Reynard's friends if Reynard ever owned a gun, and his friend Damon said, yeah, he bought a 9 millimeter Glock two weeks ago. I was with him. <gasps> oh, no. Well, r- screw this weed charge. Yeah. ruh Yeah, for real. They asked Reynard where the gun was, and he told him he threw it away because it didn't work. So they mm-hmm. said, take us to where you threw it. And he said, I don't have time today. <laughs> Okay, Renard. Let's just, you know what? Today's not really looking good for me. A few meetings and <laughs> make a few calls, but maybe again, can I call you when I'm available? Football is demanding, oh. as is being a 17-year-old high school student. I haven't got the time to clear my name of murder. Right, of my mother's murder. So right. I haven't the time today, but I will let you know my availability at my <laughs> earliest convenience. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So they I threw it away because it didn't work. What didn't work? Right. (laughs) So they tell him this would put you completely in the clear, but clearly you're busy, so we're sorry for bothering you. So they let him go. (laughs) In the meantime, they gather an arrest warrant. Sure. Later, they watch Reynard, his dad, and his uncle leave the house. So they pull him over to serve the warrant and take Reynard into custody. When they do, his dad tells the cops that Reynard confessed to him that he did kill her but he did it because a masked man broke in and forced him to do it at gunpoint. My, this whole anecdote, this whole excuse, it's like a theme. It's been a theme in the last couple of episodes, and it's ridiculous. No one's making you do anything. That is, we're, I know. Okay. So. So it's legit. The twist would be if that's true. That would be awesome, but I know know it's not. Well, we'll get to it. (laughs) So they're like, sure, sure. And Reynard is arrested. Well, actually, I'll get to it now because, note, the masked man never came up again because the uncle denied this claim under oath. I don't know if the dad just made it up thinking it was going to help the case. Who knows? Mm, yeah. So Reynard is charged with malice murder, felony murder, aggravated assault, and possession of a firearm. A year and a half later, March 1998, trial starts. Uh-huh. The prosecution argued that Reynard murdered his mom in an act of rebellion and rage. They said Josephine broke into Reynard's room, found his weed, freaked out, maybe even threatened to turn him in, and Reynard lost it. He shot his mother, watched her struggle to dial 911, ripped uh. the, the phone out of the wall when he saw her doing it. She dragged herself down the stairs. He watched her bleed to death, and then he went off to school. Because when the, the medical examiner did determine that she, by the time he was, she was found, she'd been dead for at least nine hours. Oh. So he, she likely was shot between 6.45 a.m. and I think 11.45 a.m. Oh, my God. He left for school at 7. So that checks out. If that is the reason and the motive, that is ridiculous. Like, well, okay. they, they also, like, when they arrested him, he, he made remarks about, like, how she was bugging about his behavior he, those were, that was a quote. I'm, I figured as much. I've never um, heard you say bugging in my life. I know. So he had been kicked out of two other schools. So she put him in 
Woodward Academy, which is very prestigious. He was getting all D's, possibly could have failed out of there too. Like he was, and obviously selling weed, hanging out with the wrong crowd. So they were at each other's throats a lot yeah. per her friends. Her friend said she was really stressed about it, worried that he was going to, you know, be a drug dealer, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So they were at odds. The defense downplays it. It was like, no, typical mom, son, teenage son stuff. Th- their relationship wasn't that strained. He didn't do this. So Renard opts to testify, and he's extremely cocky on the stand. The prosecutor, which I'm like, I, who sat you down and trained you to testify if, right. if you're going to act like a dick? Like, surely they said, be sad, empathetic, do the stuff. Right. He was a dick. The prosecutor's last name was Ockleberry, and he kept calling her Huckleberry. Shut up. Like, he he was, he was thought he was the smartest one in the room. He was very smug. The whole room knew it. Are you an idiot? Yeah. The most who is your counsel? Unlikable person. So the trial went on for two weeks, and the jury was in del- deliberation for 20 hours, which made both sides really nervous. Oh, my God. I would have given it 20 minutes. Oh, I know. So the... Defense team and prosecution both got together and was like, let's work out a resolution because the jury's stressing us out. They're not resolving it. So they came up with a deal to offer to Reynard. This is what he had to do. Oh, God. He had to admit publicly that he killed his mom. And if he did, he'll be charged with manslaughter, not murder, which has a max sentence of 20 years. But he would only have to serve one year under (gasps) the condition that he goes and gets counseling. No. That is such a good deal. That is a great deal. That's also a theme of our stories. It meant what you did and you'll get manslaughter. Yeah. He, so he went to his family for some guidance and they said, if you take that deal, we'll never talk to you again. (sighs) Oh, man. Well, no, you won't ever talk to him again because he's going to go to jail for life. So, yeah. So he did not take that deal. Oh, shit. And they, they were, they were like, that means you, you're admitting it and we'll, you, we disown you. Yeah. So he was like, well, I can't have that. So he didn't take it. 30 minutes later, the jury came back with their verdict. They said not guilty of malice murder, which was the harshest charge. Uh-huh. So, like, the family erupts in the courtroom celebrating. They're like, hell yeah, not guilty. Then they're struck with. Guilty of felony murder, guilty of aggravated assault, guilty with possession of a firearm, and he is sentenced with life in prison. Right. Oh, my with, God. With the possibility of parole. Wait, I'm sorry. What is malice murder? I oh, know. Sorry. I should have gone through that. Um, it's, I believe, only in Georgia. It sounds like it's pretty much premeditated murder. It's, uh, it's a criminal offense in the U.S. state of Georgia. So I think it's only in Georgia. Committed when a homicide is done with express or implied malice. Isn't every it's, murder it's ma- with malice? It's malice murder. No, if it's like a act of, I don't know. If it's premeditated, sure. Yeah. He he knew what he was doing. So he's sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole. On the It's the Mystery for Me podcast, they cover this case. And there's not a lot out there on it. So one of Reynard's family members came across that podcast and reached out to them to talk to him about the case, clear some things up, give a little inside information. So they did a follow-up episode about it, and that's what I listened to. So it was helpful. So according to the family member that talked to them, 
Reynard served 22 years and was released in 2020. Ooh. His dad remarried, and he, his new wife, and Reynard apparently live in the same house that the murder happened in <gasps> today. Still. Are you serious? Real time. Yep. I've never even heard of Cascade Heights, but I looked it up, and it's like 29 minutes from me right now. Travis. Nice. Yeah. Oh, my God. Reynard still maintains his innocence. The family's kind of on the fence on if he actually did it or not. They do think that it's a possibility that if he did do it, it was a gang initiation. Mm. And maybe the the being forced at gunpoint may actually be true. Someone <sighs> made him do it. Oh, my God. Actually, is the only evidence they had that neighbor saying there's no blood on him when he said he cradled her? That That's why both sides were really nervous because it really was kind of circumstantial yeah. evidence. So they didn't have that much. And the DNA was a um, wash. They didn't, it was a dead end. I don't know if the DNA was so messed up at the scene because of all the blood. It was all hers. But I'm like, did y'all not get his DNA? I don't know. Right. That part I did not understand. And I apologize for that. But another big bomb that this family member dropped was apparently, and this was nowhere. I could, this was not written anywhere. Apparently, Josephine wrote Reynard's name in blood before she died. <gasps> no, that's nowhere. No pics, nothing. No. If you've seen the crime scene photos, that would be crime scene photo number one. So it makes me think that that's not true. Well, no, if the family member saying that, I think that's true. But oh, I'm wondering. Wait, a family member said that? I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, the family member that did the follow up with It's the Mystery for Me uh, oh, podcast. I'm sorry. I breezed right over that part of your sentence. Oh, so, my God. Yeah, they, told, they said that. So I'm wondering if maybe she started to, you couldn't really make it out. So they couldn't really determine if it was actually his name or that could have easily been someone else who murdered her and just wrote it to throw off the scent. I don't know. <gasps> Oh, my God, so maybe, I want to see a picture of it. Let us decide. Why can't we just decide that? <laughs> I know. It's a bad crime scene, though. Oh. Um, but that is the murder of Judge Josephine Cook oh. Atlanta, Georgia. Isn't that sad? Yeah, that's really sad. God, I really thought Elisha did it. <laughs> I, well, he might have. I mean, there's no. That's true. There's no hard know. evidence. I'm, there's no hard evidence. They never found that gun. I guess DNA, too, was very um, new in 96, or still yeah. getting, getting its bearings. They never found the gun? He never found Tom? He never got the break in his schedule <laughs> to show him exactly where Damn. he threw it in the woods. He Damn. said he threw it in the woods in Cascade Heights, but they Pe never found it. People are busy. Oh, my God. Good job, Rach. Thank you. So, thanks. That was a long episode, but I didn't know we had two stories within one. <laughs> thanks to Rebecca, and thank God that piece of shit has this restraining order. And we have a website, peoplearetheworstpod.com. You can buy merch or some Patreon tiers, get it for free. So, that would be a good workaround, plus bonus episodes, which is great. So, like us, subscribe, download, tell a friend. Peace out. Peace.